I'd rather draw a good to great unit twice as often than try and uh, hold out for you know the top mm. two or three tags for that species and weapon of choice. Yeah. It was a great time. We uh, spent Thanksgiving in uh, in a camper. Hashtag welfare Thanksgiving. It was great. We get a little bit of self-service in some areas, and I sent a, a picture to my wife of us, and we were glassing on the hillside, and she's, she responds, I didn't know you were leaving. Where, where have you been all weekend? <laughs> <laughs> to Nate's point, it's very weather-dependent, so we are hunting you know, mule deer that are migrating hundreds of miles to be here. Yeah. Considerably more amenities in this style. Oh, yeah, definitely. We spent a good amount of time you know, on the hoof, glassing and whatnot too. But we weren't in the backcountry by any means on this trip. So we saw, you know, I'm gonna throw this number out and people or some people are gonna be like, what, you're disappointed with that? I do appreciate it every time we can like cut like 300 yards and you know, a matter of a minute oh, or yeah. two. Well, and you can see 300 yards too. Yeah. Like, well, if you're looking at a group of six does and it's mid-November, you know, logic tells you there should be a buck there. So you can get spotting scope out, dial it in, and pick apart each, you know, blade of grass. And he was a good buck, really good buck. So I, once he got on back on top, I just booked it. I got out, I ran, and realized I was wearing too many clothes and I was sweating <laughs> profusely. We took the binos down for a second, you know, readjusted and then he was gone. That was the other thing I was thinking today, and you know, the mental wrestling match that you go through when you're hunting. Here we are. Another episode of The Crave. Uh, it's been a while. It's it been has. a while since we threw the headsets on. Yeah, we've been hunting. <clears throat> we are, we're still hunting. Yes. We just brought them with yeah. us this time. Yep. yep the mics, yep. I mean. So it's, if you can't tell, we left the talent at home, Johnny. John's not with us. Uh, we're on location. So we are actually on on mule deer hunt right now. So day two, we got here late. We had here early Saturday morning. Yes, I was going to say. It was, it was more like early on day one as opposed to late the day before season. <laughs> Did not get to shove off too early. Had to do daddy duties and... Watch the kids, so we we gotta earn the bill paying money as well. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, so we pulled out of the driveway about seven. Well, it was yeah, it was a little before seven, and we pulled in here at two ish, one thirty two. Yeah, I think it was about one thirty yeah. when we turned off the highways, and so about two o'clock by the yeah. time we parked. Yeah, probably close to three by the time we got all situated and crawled in the mm -hmm. fart sack, and then. Immediately realized that I was underdressed for the uh, temperature. <laughs> yeah, you did realize that pretty well in short order. Yeah, on, on night one. Yeah, night one was a short one, maybe a good hour sleep, maybe. So we are on a uh, limited draw hunt, mule deer hunt in eastern Oregon. This is uh, one of a handful of tags, somewhere between fifteen and thirty-five. I can't remember exactly what, but. Um, are available. It's an archery hunt. And I put in for, se I think it was seven years before I drew this, this tag. So, so you had seven points plus 
the year of application. No, or, it, or it, six was, plus it was my seventh seven. year. Yeah, okay. so I would have had six points plus the year I put in. So gotcha. seven years. So, yep. Um, first of all, we should talk a little bit about draw t- draw tags. Sure. If you're in a in a state that has an option to put in for a a bonus tag, or it's not really. Some cases are bonus tags. Depends on which draw you put in for and, and that. But uh, yep. This, or they replace your general over-the-counter yeah. season tag. Yeah, yeah, but for this conversation, we're, we're talking about uh, special draw tag. So if you draw it, that's your only opportunity for for that. Correct for that year. Yeah. So it's not an additional tag. And I grew up in Wisconsin, so there. I mean, there was there really was no draw tags. We never. I never encountered a draw. There just wasn't any. Not for deer, anyway. No. No, I mean there's there's an elk population there now in the state, and I, I think they actually have harvested a, a couple of elk. And the black um, bear tags are draw. Yep, yep, absolutely. So that really the bear tag was the only thing that that I ever experienced that that was you had to wait for. So, but we're, here in the West, there's a lot more opportunities for big game units that are, you know, well managed. And right. uh, what are your thoughts? Because you got some you got some points to burn here pretty soon. Yeah, getting there. So what's your opinion on it? I mean, you've been with me now on a couple of hunts that I've drawn mm-hmm. and the elk, the elk hunt that we went on together. You, you, yep. you saw that, um, see how that played out, successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if we went a shot one, I would have considered it a successful yeah. hunt. I mean, we learned a lot, saw some new country, saw some really good bulls. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we're kind of doing the same thing on this trip. Yeah. Yeah, brand new country, never been in it before. So, so, what do you think, with as a person with, you know, six or seven points now, for and on the cusp of being able to draw certain tags? Yeah, you know, you're not going to draw, you know, a, one of the three trophy state or trophy units with sure. that. But I mean, at least where we're at, we can get over the counter archery tag and hunt mule deer every year if we wanted to, in a good portion of the state. So. It's a little bit different for us here because we have that opportunity every year over the counter, whereas like residents of Nevada or, or, or other states, you aren't guaranteed a tag every year. Mm-hmm. So then you run the you know the scenario in your mind of, well, do I want to hunt more often or do I want to just go out of state and get my hunting in on a year-to-year basis and amass those points for a really good unit at home? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a state like that versus Oregon where – you can hunt mule deer or elk with archery equipment every year. But I'm still in the camp of I'd rather draw, you know, a, a, a good to great unit twice as often than than try and uh, hold out for mm-hmm. the, for, you know, the top two or three tags for that species and weapon of choice. Yeah. You know, part of it, and like we're experiencing here in this late mule deer season hunt, weather is a huge factor on what kind of population of animals, you know, what your animal saturation is in the particular unit during that hunt. Um, this in unit that we're in is somewhat relying on migratory patterns for, you know, stock and shot opportunities and what have you. So you never know. I mean, you you save up 20 points and draw this tag, and it's a terrible year for weather as far as getting the deer into the particular unit you're hunting based on when the weather patterns occur that move them there or move them out. You know, if you're hunting someplace where winter weather will will push them out of the unit. So, to me, waiting so long 
to draw tag and then having other circumstances like that. I get, and I guess it depends on which unit, you know, some, some aren't as affected by weather as others, but you know, here, at least in the Eastern part of the state, and we've seen this the last five years or so, wildfires are a big deal too. You know, you never know when you're saving up 25 points to draw a tag and all of a sudden a wildfire comes in and just absolutely demolishes the unit that you're, you've been waiting you know, a third of your lifetime to draw. And now what do you do? Now you got to burn all those points or, you know, something. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'd rather take all that extra thought and stress and mm -hmm. decision-making out of it and yeah, and just draw much more often. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, you know, that's a fun, the, the thing is, I think if you're thinking about, putting in for some tags, you know, if you live in the Midwest or the East and it, hell, if you, even if you live in the West and you want to hunt out of state, there's a lot of, you know, to Nate's point, there's a lot of really good units out there. If you do your research and you start, you know, getting on the forums and, and talking to people to find out that, you know, units that are lesser known can still, you know, and it, the trophies in mm -hmm. the eye of whoever, you know, takes it. Sure. Um, so... Obviously, it depends on what you're looking for, but, you know, for the sake of argument, you know, we're talking about trying to get, you know, trying to harvest a, a trophy animal by standards that are usually measured in inches, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, take take a look and, and talk to the more you talk to people, because that elk, two years ago, I drew, I had, I think I had seven points. I, I drew a, a unit that was, again through talking to some people and people that have, have hunted that have said, you know, Hey, this, this can, you know, if you're looking to shoot a 300 inch bull, which to me is a trophy any day, every day, mm -hmm. you let me know when that gets, <laughs> yep. That gets not to be considered a trophy. And I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But you, then you've got your like top two or three units yeah. and then there's like 350 class in that unit. Right. So then, there, I mean, that kind of weighs in on your decision making. Well, it too. Does, it, but the thing is, is, you know, you, you, it's it's not the fact that the unit that I drew didn't have 350 or 380 inch bulls in there. There's just you know more of them in the other mm -hmm. units. So, um, but yeah, and I a mean, lot of times to, less tags going right. after them too. And to put yeah. it in perspective, so it took took me seven. It generally takes people six to eight years to um, to draw that particular unit mm -hmm. somewhere on there. The next step. There really is no middle ground. There's not, there's really isn't a 10 or a 12 in any way in this state that I, that I know of, you know, everything, you know, that's worth it jumps up to put that in perspective. If you wanted to hunt, cause we're right. Oregon's a bonus point system. So essentially right. all the tags go to the top points. Right. It's not a random. Well, yeah. there, there is a, a, a slight split, but right. Essentially if, if you're a resident and you're applying, um, consider to get in line and wait the, yeah, appropriate years that that it counts up to. Yeah, and if you're yeah. you know young and you started later, whatever, then mm -hmm. you know you may never catch the curve. Yeah, potentially depends on other circumstances, mm -hmm. but you know. And those units we're talking about here in the state, and it's going to be, you know, similar to other states. You know that they um, manage the unit for trophy trophy mm -hmm. elk or deer. You're looking at twenty years. So if you think about it, if you're 25 and you start putting in there's <laughs> a good chance you're only going to get that and be able to use that one time in your life yep so um and i did you know the, i didn't know about uh point creep 
you know, and I just, okay, if it's 16 or 17 years, that's what it is. But to Nate's point, you know, that bubble gets pushed. So as hunting becomes more popular, and it generally does every year, um, you know, archery, you know, when you look at sales, and it doesn't necessarily um, show you that there's a big jump, but it does grow a little bit. So there's more, and, and it seems like archery is growing faster than, than rifle hunting. People are are taking that up quicker. But, um, you know, as more people put in for those certain unit tags every year, if there's more people applying, that just means it takes more years to, to draw till it comes to your name. So right. what maybe five years ago, you know, a unit you could draw with 15 points, you know, fast forward uh, to now, and it's maybe, you know, 18 years because that many more people are hearing about it and, and want to put in for it. So. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that brings us to late season mule deer hunting. I was pretty stoked about this when I got this. Uh, we 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 know uh, John, uh, uh, Crave member John. He's drawn this twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, twice. twice. Yep. And uh, shot a nice buck a few years. Like that was the first time he came. He shot that buck. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that was quite a few years ago. He was much thinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, so he he he's drawn this tag. His father-in-law's drawn this tag. Our other friend Matt, he's drawn this tag. So I mean, there's been some success in our in our little circle of friends that have have drawn this tag, and then I think all those every one of those guys, except for maybe Todd, has harvested uh, bucks over here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was pretty was pretty geeked out. Um, you know, the, to Nate's point, it's very weather dependent. So we are hunting you know mule deer that are uh, migrating hundreds of miles. Mm-hmm to be here so and really what dictates that is the snow level so as you know a lot of these mountain bucks and high elevation summer bucks as they as winter fall rolls in and snowfall accumulates you know after a while even though they're tall they're tall animals you know the snow level gets to to be a point where they they can't eat there's nothing to eat they can't move around yeah covers all the vegetation right yeah so that it pushes them down into these flats which can be hundreds of miles away and but where there's food and and shelter and well very little shelter here but <laughs> yeah <laughs> food at any rate that's yeah. the primary yeah. objective so it, it makes a big difference if these mountain ranges don't see snow in significant levels in you know september october mm-hmm. then those deer they just don't they're not right. here they yet. haven't moved down yet right yeah yeah so um and then you're just hunting the local deer that live there year-round right which may or may not be large numbers i think we got a little bit of a mix yeah some of the uh out-of-towners are moving in yeah our opinion changed yeah quite a bit from yesterday to today yeah we we've we've seen some some deer now we saw a deer yesterday too but uh yeah so that we packed a little bit different we are currently sitting by a fireplace right now. Um, we have lights on timers. We have um, <laughs> cold beverages. Cold at beverages. The ready. Yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, now we should probably clarify a few things. We're sitting okay. inside a 1957 <laughs> Scotsman <laughs> pull-behind trailer. Yep, <laughs> travel trailer. Um, cozy, definitely cozy. Yeah, we can. Uh, we can probably both stretch our tippy toes in our fingertips from one end to the other yeah yeah i think it's a i think it's a 10 10 footer yeah maybe 10 yeah that's about right but the nice thing is it's small enough where the heater works pretty darn good yeah <laughs> it doesn't take much to, Nate to broke get it out the up. uh 
you know, the sweet, savvy dealer that he is, buyer that he is, he sniffed out a deal on a buddy heater, so we got that glowing at our feet. And yeah, yeah when you're only trying to heat like, you know, nine square feet, it's, it's pretty. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Doesn't take much, yeah. But we didn't run it the first night. That's why you got. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I I under I underdressed big time the first <laughs> night. So, and I was still cold last night a little bit. So, um, but yeah. So we 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 packed a little bit different this trip than uh, last podcast. We talked about our elk recap and what we packed and what worked and what didn't. This yep. that's kind of another reason I was looking forward to this trip mainly because, you know, you you hunt out of the rig. You know, or at least you come back to the rig every night. Yep. You know, so everything's kind of, I don't know. You take take a break a little bit on the uh, on the prep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just, Got uh, a little better food than just, you know, freeze dried pouches. Yeah. But considerably more amenities in the style. Oh yeah, right? definitely. We spent a good amount of time, you know, on the hoof, glassing and whatnot too, but we weren't in the back country by any means no, on this trip. No. So just to paint the picture of where we're hunting, we're we're hunting Eastern Oregon. Granted, that doesn't really pin you down exactly where we are, but it's high desert. Yeah, sagebrush country. Yeah, very, very open. I sent a pic. Um, we get a little bit of self-service in some areas, and I sent a, a picture to my wife of us, and we were glassing on the hillside, and she responds, I didn't know you were leaving. Where where have you been all weekend? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's like, ah, how do you find any deer? She, you know, she says, first, why would any deer want to live there? <laughs> And how are you supposed to find them in that or something like that? So anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's very open sagebrush. I mean, uh, we've been eating well, which means, you know, there's certain things that the body has to do after a while. Um, yeah. And uh, taking care of those situations in this type of terrain yeah. and uh, topography, not very easy. I mean. Right. This is like the one time ever in my life I've actually missed dealing with tons of blowdown. Yeah. Exactly. Trees that have fallen over from <laughs> yeah. the wind. There's not a tree. <laughs> there's not a tree of of uh, that would, you know, measure above my waistband around here. Yeah. So. Yep. Sagebrush and cheatgrass. That's about yeah. it. But so it's not completely flat. There's actually some. It's very broken, as John would say. Uh, so. Right. There's some small hills and you know some bigger hills and just ups and downs that these deer can. You know, there's definitely way. there's definitely plenty of places to hide, even though there's yeah, there's no tree absolutely. cover. Yep. So, um, as far as the gear we're running, uh, it is it, like I said, completely different. Like if you're coming out to do something like this, and you know, you, you really don't need to go out and buy you know new boots and a new backpack and you know all of these things for high mountain um, elk hunting or even you know you know, these, these forest bucks. So quite honestly, you could wear tennis shoes probably, um, or a light hiking boot. Yeah. It's fairly easy walking. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. even though you've got the elevation change, mm-hmm. um, you're yeah. not, you're not climbing over blowdown every no, five steps. No, it's, it's, and I've, I've really appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate it. Every time we can like cut like 300 yards and, you know, a matter of a minute oh, or yeah. two. Well, you know? and you can see 300 yards too. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. yeah, we we you know we could see for thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, which yeah, is we did we did cool. glass up some of those deer and, and zap them with the rangefinder at uh, yeah. yeah thirteen fourteen hundred. So, but yeah, so just you know we're running. It's cold. I mean, it's it's really cold. It's it's been getting down in the single digits at night. So you know the morning. You know if we were setting out and we were sitting and glassing on a you know a knob all day, you'd you'd definitely 
want to pack a little bit heavier clothes but mm-hmm. you know there's so much country to cover we've actually been you know driving the rig to this spot getting out you know climbing up on a hill glass and going to the next spot so you know we've kind of been in and out of the truck mm-hmm. a few times so you know backpack just standard i mean you got your everly stock i have my kafaru that we've been running mm-hmm. um but really all we're carrying is you know a little bit of water and uh spotting scope yeah you know maybe and then extra layer of clothes yeah in case the wind picks up yeah 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 but yeah yeah it's pretty run and gun mm-hmm. it's pretty run and gun the biggest thing by far if you're going to do any type of high country or open country, you know, hunting of anything, your optics are, yeah, they make all the difference. Absolutely. In the world. Yeah. You got a pair of, I'm, I'm running Vortex, Vortex yeah. 12 by 50s. And they're, uh, I don't actually carry them very often. They're a little bit heavy. I normally run our 8 by uh, 42s just because they're a lot lighter and more comfortable to carry around all day. But, uh, those would definitely not have cut it on this trip. Those Nikons, uh, the eight buys are are pretty good for mm-hmm. for elk hunting when you're, you know, they're light, compact, small, like me. Yeah, yeah. I have one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've heard. So yeah, the twelve buys though. Um, you know, Jake was running the spotting scope, and I was just running my binoculars for the most part. And it they, those work plenty well for, you know, I I picked out animals at a thousand plus yards and you know then we had to refer to the spotting scope after that in order to mm-hmm. to uh count tines and, and when i get a closer look at at the bucks we were seeing you have spotted probably a baker's dozen brush bucks too <laughs> well you never know you, you pick st- those out yeah yeah you gotta stop and look just to be sure <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah for the sure it's got to work out a few times huh? yep. yeah <laughs> but no those you know and the thing is like spotting the deer here if they're up, if they're standing up anywhere, you can pick them out fairly easy. Um, Especially if they're moving, you know. Yeah, which yeah, the, for sure. You know, the bucks are, you know, they're running as well, plus the migration, and they're just, the bucks we've seen have generally been on on the move. Yeah. But that's the exception what, of the, the younger ones. Mm-hmm. This is what you want the better glass for, though, is when, you know, you get up on a knob and you're trying to, you know, pick apart an area, something mm-hmm. that you can't see from, you know, like the road just doesn't give you a good angle at yeah well not to mention i mean there's just so much to be said for getting your ass out of the vehicle and, and going for a walk you know even even in you know a situation like this where you can cover a lot of the ground and, and yeah. quite honestly it's probably more we've, efficient we've probably spotted as many deer from the truck as yeah. we have yeah from glassing points right yeah does mm-hmm. i mean mostly right. does but yeah i, I mean know. tonight though we would have we would have saw those bucks you know right place right time you know yeah, we would have spotted. But if we weren't camped on the glassing point for right extended period of time, we we would right. wouldn't have seen them. Right, exactly. And you know, we luckily nothing did go by. I think those bucks would have spooked. Yeah, big time. I think so too. But uh, there has been a lot of road traffic in this unit mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So good glass. We so Nate's running the Vortex twelve by fifties. I got a pair of Swarovskis, ten by forty twos, and uh, and then we. We're lucky enough to get our hands on a uh, Leupold spotting scope. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what specific model it is, but um, we did get get our hands on that, and that's been it's been really good for Tanate's point. You know, when you find a group of deer and you you know and you just can't quite tell they're just far enough away. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pushing a thousand plus yards. You can't quite tell what they are. You get the spotting scope out. 
verify what they are first and if it's something you want to go after. But also with the spotting squad at that point, these deer are up and down all the time. Mm-hmm. They're on their feet all night because it's cold, you know, and in the morning they're up and they're feeding. Um, but a lot of these deer are also, you know, they'll, they'll bed down mm-hmm. for half hour, you know, and this is only an hour after after first light. So, yep. you know, if you're looking at a group of six does and it's mid-November, you know, logic tells you there should be a buck there. So you can get spotting scope out, dial it in, and pick apart each, you know, blade of grass and mm-hmm. patch a... Check for times. Yeah, and look, yep. look for that bedded buck that's close by or just over the rise where you can just see his back or something. So mm-hmm. I've really never hunted with a spotting scope before. For one thing, I mean, you know, that's another thing. It's like, do you need to spend, you know, a grand or more <laughs> yeah. on a good spotting scope? If you're doing this type of hunting every year, I'd say yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We would have seen a third of the deer we saw. Yeah. Well, well and, and verification of what we were A third we of the seeing. bucks we saw. Yeah. Yeah. Without without a spotting scope, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Have, I mean, we you could see a body of a deer, but mm-hmm. you couldn't necessarily tell if it was a buck or a doe. Yeah, I would say, and you know, and I, I know there's, it's different, kind of depending on where you go. If you're going to New Mexico and Arizona and those type of places, you can get into areas where, I'm talking about elk hunting now. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, in most cases for elk hunting, you don't need. You would, I would, I would say you definitely don't. You know, if a guy's saying I want to buy, should I buy a spotting scope? You know, I have an extra thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Should I buy a spotting scope before I go to Colorado or, you know, wherever? You know, somewhere in the west and, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona and go hunt elk. I'd say no, definitely not. But for this type of hunting, where you're, where you're, you're just in big country and and you're always, you know, you're looking for antler, you know, tips. You know, sticking above saved sage grass or you know flickers of ears, that sort of thing. Um, and and if you're going to be on animals for a long time, so you know you spot up something two thousand yards away, and you know that they're going to be there, but you want to like, really keep an eye on them all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely recommend it. Yep. So. And a good tripod too. Yeah, for sure. That's just <laughs> that's a good point. That's <laughs> a really good point. Because I don't care how good. Uh, spotting scope you got if you don't have a tripod any tripod yeah it's it's pretty well well worthless if you don't yeah it's a boat anchor and if you've got a crappy tripod and you breathe on the thing and it shakes like crazy uh that's like not most good of either. our podcasts are f- filmed on yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah that's a good point i'm really glad you brought that up you know it's just something to think about if you're going to spend the money on good optics um whether it's uh binoculars or uh, a scope or spotting scope something like that any of those things the the accessories that go along with it are as important if not more important than the actual piece mm-hmm. itself because you know without like binoculars there's a lot of good harnesses yeah it doesn't matter how nice they are if you run that yep. dental floss they ship them with around <laughs> yeah. your neck you're gonna be yeah especially you're when you be got chucking a, them in the river when you got a rad sunburn <laughs> like you do Oh, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> awesome to be hunting in an area where you can still get a sunburn in mid-November. Yeah, and it barely got over 10 degrees yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. so yeah, but just keep that in mind when, you're, when you know, you're you're know looking at opti- optics, you know, to, to Nate's point. Even the high-end ones, whether it's Swarovski or Zeiss or, you know. Loophole. Yeah, Loophole. I mean, Leica, whatever. There's a bunch of them. Um, mm-hmm. They all come with decent straps, but if you don't have that equally balanced across your chest yep it sucks um so yeah you know and just think about you know this type of hunting 
on the ground a lot, you know, your belly crawling, that sort of thing, you really want to make sure you're not, you know, skull dragging those, you know, $2,000 or, you mm-hmm. know, $900 <laughs> binoculars across the, the rocks. Yeah, the for sand. sure. Yeah, so. When I was running my DSLR for most of it, too, because I don't, you know, I'm not carrying a tag. I'm just here in support. So I'm taking some pictures and stuff, too. And I run a Peak Designs, basically, hip holster for my DSLR. Screw a little uh, plate in the base where you would normally mount a tripod, too, and then it just slides in and out of a quick-release uh, clip system that goes on my belt. So having that, too, as we're kind of crawling around, trying to stay low as much as possible and stay behind the sagebrush as we're creeping over ridges and stuff. Yep. That was nice, too, so I didn't have to worry about my camera or anything else in the way. The other thing... I, w- I would suggest if you're you know, going to be using your optics a lot, um, well, two things. I'm dead serious about this. I would bring an eye patch. You know, so <laughs> I would. Yeah. Because so many times you're looking through um, spotting scope, obviously. Like you, all those super serious indoor paper league shooters. Yeah. Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> um, but you're always closing your off eye you know, to keep the light out and to get a better look through the spotting scope. Yep. And after a while, just eye fatigue is terrible. You just want to, like, keep your eyes open, you know, both eyes open. Yeah. I would seriously consider bringing an eye patch because you could throw that over your opposite eye. You keep your eye, both eyes open. Yeah. And then still focus on. Yeah, for sure. Because if you're, if you're buried in a spotting scope for yeah. 10 minutes and then you try to bring up your binoculars and you're mm-hmm. looking through both eyes, you, you can't see shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, and then the other thing is, um, I mean, we're having ideal conditions as far as spotting scopes are concerned, or, or glassing. It's been, what's well, been a little too sunny, but it's been, it's been yeah, nice. We haven't been worried about precipitation. Yeah, and the biggest thing is condensation in the, you know, early yeah. morning when so get, everything else is still cold, and then you're breathing your hot air into them, or, yeah. you know, while you're glassing. So get get yourself a good uh, squeegee. Um, yeah, and hang it you, on your bino harness yeah so it's handy yep yeah you want to keep those lenses clean and and uh, even if it's even if it's nice out there's always dust out you give those yeah good good cleaning Mm -hmm. every once in a while so but yeah everything else has been pretty pretty much the same i mean you you want to be seasoned i mean you, you want to be as confident with your shot as possible obviously that's kind of silly you'd always want to be that but Getting close is probably not going to be the usual yeah. <laughs> on this, the norm. So, you know, get consistent and accurate and confident, you know, past 50, 60 yards. You know, if you can get out to that 70, 80 range, there's going to be a lot. Of, I think I can see already, even after two days, there's going to be situations where you're going to you're going to be pushed where, mm-hmm. you know, there's rarely a situation where you're going to get a buck by himself. Um, there's usually going to be other deer around, so you're going to have to, yeah, just get accurate. Yep. Get as confident. And when there's a group of does, there's always at least one pair of eyes. Yeah, checking everything out. Yeah, this is a hunt I would I would definitely I'd probably recommend a movable site. Um, you know, we're running uh, black gold right now. Ascent, I think they're called. Yeah, and it's a movable site, but it's also a, it's got a three pin housing already. So, you know, I'm set up for. 30, 40, 50 is my initial setup with my, my bar ran all the way clear to the top. And then, you know, my my bottom, my 50, at that point, it's a movable pin as well, or it's a movable housing. So so you you move it based on your center pin. So wherever you set it to, you're good plus or minus 10. 
Yeah, I, I don't play that game. Just about. Generally, yeah, when it gets when I start moving my my sights, you know, because usually if here's the thing, usually if an animal is at seventy yards, you know, usually it's probably stopped and looking where you're able to stop. You can turn your sight to where you need it because, sure. you know, so in my mind, once they get out at that, you're, you're going to be able to dial into the exact yardage. Sure. Pretty close. So, but yeah, but I'm just thinking if, yeah. they're, if they're, you know, they they move a couple steps one mm-hmm. direction or another. Yeah, or you can split you. pins and, or, or, yeah. So you would, you would sight it in on the, the bottom pin. Is what I you're do, saying. I do the bottom pin. And, and some of it was when I started sighting in initially. Um, you know, I had my pin centered in my housing as best I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have to make some adjustments. And by the time I got started stepping back, if I, my pins were in a position where if I would use my top pin, it would have, I would have ran out of some adjustment. It just gotcha. didn't quite work. So, mm-hmm. um, and some people, it's just what they're used to. So generally the, you know, your farthest shots are always your bottom pin always. So, yep. you know, obviously as you're getting, is it, you're in a situation where you have to move your site, that animal's farther away, mm-hmm. you know, so you probably naturally are just going to go to your bottom pin anyway. But in any gotcha. event, um, I was just curious what the, your, your, uh, thought was. On mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think I would do it where the movable pin is based on the center. Mm-hmm. That way, if the animal takes a couple steps either way, you still have a pin on either side for reference. You know, obviously, you know, your center pin, when you're sighted in at 30 yards and then you've got a 20 and a 40, you go push that out there and now all of a sudden your center pin 60, that bottom pin is not going to quite be 70. So you're going to have to take that into consideration yeah. as well. But The other thing, too, is if you're, you know, a lot of these sites... As a bow gets slower, you need more adjustment, obviously. So, you know, unless you're a 30-inch draw and you're shooting a grained-out 70-pound arrow, you know, 70-pound bow and an arrow that's grained out at 350 grains, mm-hmm. a lot of sites, if you if you if you are into long-distance shooting, are not going to have enough adjustment once you get down there, you know, to the bottom to that 90 or 100 range. If you you know feel comfortable shooting 100 yards at an elk. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you use your top or middle pin, sometimes even with a full adjustment, you won't get, you know, maximum yardage. Mm-hmm. That, that Maybe that 90-yard pin doesn't quite make it for you because your bow's not fast enough or you're not shooting fast enough to to make that with your sight. Right. So using the bottom pin will always give you your maximum yardage distance that you can achieve. Mm-hmm. So I did. I have run yeah, into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've run into that in the past where I was shooting heavier arrows and just out of a slower bow and I started you know I, my pins were just a little bit too high or they were they were getting a little bit higher in my housing um and I tried to sight in for that top pin and just because it was easiest for me or that was the one I always came back to naturally was the top pin mm-hmm. so I as I was moving and I was setting him for like 50 60 70 I was using that top pin well I realized pretty soon I was I ran out of adjustment because my pin was too high where if you switch to the bottom, mm. it's going to yep. raise you up another, you know, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and if you're running for like a 3D tournament too with 90 or 100 yard shots or something like that, you definitely run into that issue. Yeah. So, I, to me, I mean, when people are setting up their bows, some people like pins, you know, vertical pins. Some people like horizontal pins, you know, like coming from the side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me, I prefer the horizontal pins um but you know when people 
like different colors. Like I want all green yeah. or I want green, different green, sizes red, green. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I'd say with movable sites, yeah, do what's, whatever's comfortable that, cause that's, that's the biggest thing that people get messed up on is, you know, either they forget to move their site or they move their site and then they forget to move it back or they pick the wrong pin. Yeah. And so that's where the beauty of one single pin movable is, is nice because you're always, I think it keeps you a little more honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It takes all that extra yeah. thinking and rethinking it out Definitely. of the equation. Mm-hmm. So that was our setup. Pretty, pretty basic stuff. You know, a lot of running and gunning, a lot of moving and, and spotting and, and that sort of thing. So be comfortable, being comfortable clothes, being quiet clothes, mm-hmm. get good optics. Um, I would, in this open country, I'd carry a pair of sunglasses. Um, just cause if it is sunny, I mean, there's just no, <laughs> there's no hiding from it. You're just getting beat yeah. down with the sun all day. Yeah. You're not going to find any shade. Yeah. So yeah, yesterday, Nate was kind of alluding to, you know, how our opinions can change through day to day. And when you're hunting, you know, I think that's one of the toughest things to, to keep going is that's, you know, your mental state. Yeah. Right? It's, <laughs> I'd hope nobody goes out for one day and is like, you know, I'm done. I'm quit. I'm not, I'm not coming back. Yeah. You know, I, I thought you were going that route yesterday. Yeah. I was a little disappointed, <laughs> you know, and that's you, the other thing is expectations, mm-hmm. right? You wait yeah, seven years. Yeah, we've known a lot of people that have yeah. had this particular hunt yeah. and have had good luck. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah we we had high hopes Yeah, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we saw... You know, I'm gonna throw this number out, and people are some people are gonna be like, "What? You're disappointed with that?" <laughs> so we saw almost 40 deer yesterday, mm-hmm. right? So that's it's a good. We both said like this is more deer than we generally ever see mm-hmm. in a season. So yeah, um, and we saw some of those deer more than once in different, slightly different areas. But. Right, but we still had a, a total count of about 35, 36 different deer. Yeah, we were, we were pretty yeah. positive. So yeah. Um, saw some coyotes, big dogs, big old dogs. Yeah, they're healthy around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, one had a, one's belly was dragging. I mean, he looked like a pot belly pig. Belly, I don't think it was. A, <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely his belly. Yeah, <laughs> but we saw we saw a good amount of deer. We saw deer five minutes after we left camp, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, up around the corner. But out of those thirty-five deer, we saw two bucks or one? just two on day one yeah yeah and small small deer small bucks you know like small forked horn and, and the other one i couldn't i didn't get a good look at i just knew it wasn't that big um so you know coming into an area where granted again it's weather dependent kind of depends on what's going on outside the area but even i've heard even on kind of down years you know you should still be able to run into some some local bucks that are that are decent so Covering, we covered a lot of miles yesterday. Um, yeah. Because this, we were new to the area, um, and the, you know, the terrain was actually, you know, promoting it. We did hunt out of the out of the truck quite a bit. We uh, we we would come to an area and and scope it up and and look mm-hmm. through the binos and and we're we're covering miles and miles and yeah. miles and miles. We're trying to get the lay of the land to right. some degree too. Yeah. Not only were we covering miles in the truck, but we were covering triple that just with our the glass yeah so you know to turn up 35 deer quite honestly in the in the radius that we covered was not a lot you know i mean you could see yeah we we probably glassed a good portion of 10 square miles 
Yeah. We saw a lot of country. Yeah, yeah. we did. We yeah. did. So, so it was a little disappointing. Yeah, we really didn't get too excited here or there. We climbed up and we we glassed a few different vantage points that we we could again cover a lot of area. And we've heard in the past that there's there's good deer population generally in these in these spots. So, you know, with the exception of those deer and a couple of their dudes, you know, spotting from mm-hmm. other points, that was pretty much it. This morning, even as we we got up after like ten hours of sleep, which was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> was it ten? I don't know. Uh, it felt like it. It was a solid eight. It yeah, was a, it was a hell of a lot more than what we got yeah. on the first night. Yeah. It was about eight times that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just you even seemed like there were less rigs heading up the road. Like almost everybody was kind of dejected. And that was the other thing I was thinking today. Um, you know, the mental wrestling match that you go through when you're hunting mm-hmm. you know and you start to think about what other people are seeing and you know like who are those guys glassing up there and you try to figure out how many guys are actually hunting like oh that guy doesn't have a bow and that guy doesn't have a bow but that guy does so the other two mm-hmm. are glassing for him you know i wonder what they're seeing up there and god probably seen more than me you know <laughs> um yeah you just you battle it you know you just want you know, you want to be successful. It wasn't for a lack of trying, you know. I mean, we we were out all day, and, you know, we, we did pound some brush, and we, we covered a lot of area and spent the last two hours looking over some spots that thought were pretty damn good, you know. Yeah. Turned out the day they were, so. But that was day one. It was rough. It was rough. I had some choice words for John. He said, put in for this unit. There's a lot of deer. <laughs> <laughs> But that brought us to day two today, and I'd say for the most part of the day, we were kind of seeing the same thing. I mean, it was... Yeah, the first half of the day wasn't much different than yesterday. Bleak. Bleak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but anyway, so we did glass up a buck this morning, and he was a little forked horn, (laughs) but I was already even telling Nate, all right, if I'm going to make a move, this is how I'm going to do it, you know, like... He was almost a mile away. Yeah. But you were still, after what we'd seen day one, you yeah, yeah I'm probably going to make a move. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, it's an eight-hour drive to get here. And it's like, let's, it doesn't look like there's any deer. You know, the migration hasn't really happened. Mm-hmm. So let's put a pin in this thing and, you know, get some Venny on the, in the cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so whatever. We ended up, there were some other guys kind of moving in down a different uh, ridge, and we just kind of assumed that they were going to pick up those deer or, or those deer were going to pick them up because it was they weren't that far away. So, nope. you know, I said, let's just get out of here. And, and they were perfectly skylined. They they so. were this, they skylined the hell out of themselves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, they were going to sneak right up on them. Yeah, like if you wanted to, if you were kind of like down by the river and you were with your, you know, fian- or your girlfriend and you wanted to ask her to marry him, I would use those guys because they could be holding the sign and everybody in the country yeah, would see them. exactly. Will you marry me? Yep. <laughs> marry Beth. They might as well have had a bullhorn up there saying, hey, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, that's the thing is, like, there's deer. The thing, you know, uh, these deer can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they were, they're were they kind of tucked up tight with a, you know, underneath a ridge, a steep ridge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these guys were walking right up there yeah. Anything below them. I mean, they were very content on like I'm just gonna glass everything from nine hundred to twenty five hundred yards. Yeah. Because anything closer than that's gonna pick me off. So Yeah. And maybe they were fine with that. 
they would at least let them know where the deer were. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. That's definitely something to consider when you're when you're out glassing in this open country. Anytime you come up over a little rise or what have you, creep right up to the edge and glass before you come all the way over. Yeah. Because you're going to get spotted. I mean, you, you, we'll get to this in a minute, but you made a move on a buck and got into the, within eyesight, probably 500 yards away, a group of does that we had glassed earlier, and those does spotted you pretty much immediately. Oh, yeah. And moved. Yeah. So don't underestimate, uh, you know, long distance sight of these deer in the open country too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're smart. They they know what, and you know, naturally your eye kind of goes to that skyline because you can, you can. Just, yeah, I mean, you, we picked off several deer doing. Yep. Just with the naked eye, mm-hmm. catching them on the skyline like that. Yep. Yeah, there's huge contrast there. Mm-hmm. Anything against the skyline that's moving is. Yep. Yeah, so it's a good point, especially when you got blazing sun. Mm-hmm. You know, or not blazing. In this case, it's cold as shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very little cloud cover anyway, yeah. like direct sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes without saying, too. I mean, when you get to an area, and you can do this before. That's the cool thing about Google Earth. I mean, that you can do sunrise, sunset, or like the sunscape as, mm-hmm. it, as it moves through the sky. You can see all the shadows um, for a given area at any given date. So, you know, before you go to a new area, you can look at... The topography, you're know, like, okay, this, you know, everything changes when you get there because everything looks a little bit different. But you could say, you know, like this, this is where elk may, you know, would be probably north, north facing slope, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in a situation where we're here, we're hunting mule deer, like you can pick out all those big drainages and those ridge lines and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But look at where the sun is at any given point in the day because, you know, if you like, think that there's going to be deer in this basin and you're going to climb up you know there's a horseshoe all the way around that basin you got to look and say okay you know sun's coming up in the east so if i'm on the opposite end if i'm on the west side in the morning and i'm trying to glass down you know i'm going to get picked off and it's going to be hard as hell to to get optics on anything Mm -hmm. down there because you're going to be looking right into the sun yep and same thing at night you know in this situation i would say the sun position can be as if not more important than the wind. Yeah. And in early season mule deer hunts too, that's going to affect your stalking capabilities as well because a lot of times you're going to get deer bedding down and when that direct sun comes back around when it's hot outside, that's going to cause the deer to get up and move. So, you know, you get, you got to keep the sun in mind in that regard too. Mm-hmm. On this particular hunt, I don't know that the direct sun or shade really influenced the deer's behavior just because it's been so cold where... In fact, well, at least for us, the opposite was true. Where <laughs> it was nice to actually go sit in the sun and glass for a little bit. Yeah. When it was up high. Yeah. Got the core temp over, over ninety five. Right. <laughs> but yeah, just reinforce that. Yeah. Pay attention to the sun and what it's doing. And, yep. And what it's going to do over the next hour, or mm-hmm. however long you plan to yeah. be in in the same spot. When you're making a stalk, too, if, if you can put yourself between the animal and the sun, it, you know, especially in, in early morning and late evening situations, man, it's, it's going to be so into your... Because even if that deer hears something up there, I mean, just think about, you know, you've looked towards the sun and you, you just can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. you're losing... It just washes out everything in front of it, so... For sure, yeah. But, uh, so this afternoon, we uh, kind of regrouped. We... 
we saw some saw some other does that later this morning um, that we picked up. Saw some new country. You know, the thing is, is like every time this whole year, I felt kind of like we've been we've we've had a nose for the animal because we found elk a lot, mm-hmm. and this trip we're finding deer. You know, and I feel like we're finding more deer than everybody else. I I know that sounds a little braggadocious, but. You know, like there's pockets yeah. of deer. I think you can tell, like, oh, okay, those those deer haven't been seen because we're in a spot where there's no sign of anybody being here. Yeah. So um, the lack of bucks was was tough, and 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 this morning now we've seen deer that we saw yesterday. So it's not necessarily, you know, you're starting to recognize some does and fawns mm-hmm. in a group, and you're like, okay, well, those we saw those yesterday, and yeah, I don't know. You get that false sense of kind of thinking you've got. Like you've you've looked everywhere, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's just no deer here. You know, there's not the deer I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. um, this afternoon we, I don't know. I mean, we both decided where we didn't we didn't really kind of want to go back where we were last night and this morning because we had been there twice now. And even though we'd seen deer, we just it hadn't been the deer we were looking for. And we started to see people kind of creeping in. So mm-hmm. we decided to kind of drive down river farther, or at least see what that looked like. Um, to Nate's point earlier, there had been a wildfire that had gone through here a couple of years ago. So even though this is like super desolate and just a lot of sagebrush, it's still caught on fire and it still burnt a shitload of acres. Yeah. So it's a lot of food going. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just area that's kind of unhuntable right now. Um, mm-hmm. they're actually here at uh, ODFW is, is it ODFW or no BLM? BLM. Yeah. Yeah. BLM is dragging it, disking it for some reason. We're I, th- I believe they're planting seeds at the same time. Yeah. They had hoppers on the machines. Yeah. Looked like they were feeding seeds while they were yeah. disking it. So anyway, we head down river and we're on this road and it's burnt on both sides of us. And we're like, you know, just thinking that any minute now it's going to, you know, that burn had to subside at some point And, you know, we're going to run into get down there towards the brakes. And we just went far enough and we're like, Miles and miles and yeah, miles. Yeah, like, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> no reprieve. There's no diesel in the nearest town, so like we yeah. gotta conserve our gas a little bit, and so we can make it home. Wet clay road. Yeah. So Not we ended up just turning ideal. around, um, heading back, and we we had jumped some deer yesterday morning, Saturday the first morning, kind of off this one spot, and uh, anyway, so there was a guy parked there yesterday, but today there wasn't anybody there, so we're like, oh, let's go. We'll go up there. We only had a couple hours of light left. Mm-hmm. So uh, we headed up, and we could still see the bulldozers in the back, you know, pulling those discs and, and working <laughs> that land. They weren't that far away. But we were at least in some land now that was, you know, we knew had deer. Mm-hmm. Had some sagebrush, had some good habitat, had was really nice it's topography. You know, there was actually some pretty good peaks and, and some drainages and stuff and, and ridges. So we crawled up, split up. And, you know, we were still within eyesight of each other because, you know, we wanted to be able to communicate a little bit if somebody saw something. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you you went up. and yeah. I spotted a buck pretty much right away when I got out to the end of the point that I was going on. And, and he was cruising for does for sure. I mean, he was on the move with his nose down and following a pretty decent game trail. So, And then I took my binos down. It tried to get your attention and wave you over and by the time I waved you over and saw you were saw me and, and were moving that back that way by the time I brought my binos back up I couldn't see him anymore yeah and he had <laughs> dropped down into into a little trench there and 
Um, he'd actually gone all the way over. I thought he was still in that trench, but he was moving fast enough. He would drop down in that trench, back up the other side, and then over the the rise altogether. And so naturally you get back over there and it takes us five minutes of glass and to find the buck again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you were like, why'd you call me over here? What the hell? I was surprised I was surprised when he when he popped up like how far away he had gotten. Yeah. You know, because he was moving. The first direction you gave me and you know like oh, okay he's right over here and that wasn't that far. I mean it was yeah. probably five hundred yards maybe. Yeah. But then yeah when we did see him a minute later he was twelve hundred yards. Yeah. I was gonna say a thousand <clears> plus. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah to your point he wasn't you know, when we finally glassed him up, he was moving. He was still walking, but the amount of ground they can cover compared to you and I is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. So the weird thing was is we had glassed up a pack of nine does and fawns that we had seen the day before. Mm-hmm. and uh, But found them, you know, and, like, this buck was, like, clueless to where they were. So yeah, he was he was probably only six seven hundred yards from that group of does and yeah and yearlings and yeah never never even seemed to notice. No, he was just. I think he was. I think a hot doe had walked that trail earlier today and yeah, he, he just had his nose to the ground and he yeah. was he was just beelining it to yeah. wherever she went. Yeah. So that was good. That was a good start to the uh, to the evening. Mm-hmm. We. Like, hey, cool. The biggest buck we had seen at that point, which he was a uh, three-by-three, you know, a little better, you know, 110 maybe. So, yeah. But still, compared to, like, like putting all things in perspective, we're like, okay, we've covered a lot of ground. We've seen three bucks. Nothing that's been over, you know, a basket rack in, you know, even by coos deer yeah. standards, <laughs> you know. So, um so yeah, to see that buck was like cool, you know. Yeah, it might be something we want to actually go after. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was he was scooting. And we're only here for for two and a half days this this yeah. time out. So yeah. you know, time's limited before. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Granted, I want to shoot a good buck, but you got to take what's available <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But we glassed that up for another couple of minutes, and then um, not far, maybe 150 yards or so from where we had seen that buck last. Another buck had popped up over the over the ridge, um, so again, like he's totally skylined, mm-hmm. and uh, I throw the binos on him, and I'm like, "Oh, Nate, there's that buck, there he is again." And then it only took me a couple seconds. Yeah. I'm like, "That nah, is not the same buck." Yeah, it's he's much much better. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a good one. I think you're like you turn. He's like, "He's a corker." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ex- yes, I did. Yeah, say that. so. We got on that buck, and he was so he he crested the ridge and was coming towards us, and uh, you know he had moved down that face of that ridge, and you know I zapped him um, at twelve twelve hundred, I think, pushing three thirteen hundred yards, and but he was closing some distance and coming down a face, and then we freaking lost him again. Like mm-hmm. again, we we took the binos down for a second, you know, readjusted. And then he was gone. Yeah, got the tripod set up. Yeah, and the spotting scope. Yeah, I was getting. Even though spot. we were pretty sure we didn't need it on that buck, yeah, it looked plenty big even mm-hmm. with binos. So yeah, we got that set up, threw the binos back up, and he's gone. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Where'd he go? Yeah. So we watched, 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 didn't see him, and and he's only at this point fifty yards off the road, like off of a, of a fairly 
well used the road we road. had driven down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like our rig wasn't parked. Our truck wasn't parked very far away. Yeah. So, um, and there's a camp on this road yeah. also. So yeah. there's other hunters in the area mm-hmm. pretty close by. But this buck, you know, you, if you're thinking, you're, you're looking in a one direction, you're looking straight ahead of you and you have a big ridge that's running horizontal across from left to right. This buck came across the top and came down the other side. Well, when he got to the bottom, we lost him because we were so far away and there was... Mm-hmm. But we knew there was a dry creek bread in there Yeah, because we'd seen other deer in there. Mm-hmm. And so we figured that's where he went and he yeah. hung up and he was probably, you know, there could have been other deer in there as well. Mm-hmm. Just from our vantage point, we couldn't see in there. Yeah. But having traveled through that area before, we knew mm-hmm. the topography of what was there. And right. And that there were deer in there. Yeah. Like two, two, two of the mornings there were deer there. So yep. does. Right. And that's right where he was heading. So we're like, mm-hmm. okay, he's hung up down there with, you know, we're in an area where if he craps out anyway, we're at some direction, we're going to see him, even if it's, mm-hmm. you know, 2000 yards away. So anyway, I'm like, Hey, I knew we didn't have a whole lot of light left, probably an hour, hour and a half. So I left everything there with Nate and I just said, I'm going after him. So I just cut off down the mountain and there was a pretty good kind of basin between him and I. So basically once I went out of, you know, eyesight, I could just go because he, he, there's no way he could have seen me. The only thing that I kind of was, you know, hesitant about is if that buck just went down to the bottom where we couldn't see him and was still coming towards us and he's cutting ground towards me and I'm cutting ground towards him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm, I'm frantically panning back and forth from left to right yeah. on the last little rise before dropping down into that. Yeah, <laughs> trying to trying to make sure he's you know not popping over the over the top while you're beelining it. Yeah, that's one other thing. Maybe we can talk touch on is here in Oregon. There's no regulations against using cell phones or radios to communicate, and so that was part of the reason why I hung back and glassed is that we had we did have just enough cell service to be able to shoot messages back and forth, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the lookout, and if that did happen, then I could hopefully try and get a note to Jake. Yeah, as needed before mm-hmm. uh, disaster struck. But yeah. So without going into all the fun details, it's always tough to tell a story if somebody's not actually looking at, you know, the terrain. Yeah. But um, I cut distance and ended up getting close to this this buck. Um, the first time I got my eyes on him after I'd left our spotting nest, <laughs> um, <laughs> was he had kind of worked back up the same ridge. He was, he just had crested and come down. He was, he just had moved over and kind of was going back to the, up the other side. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was maybe 400 yards away. So I cut, you know, I probably cut a solid eight, 900 yards at this point. And, uh, and he was kind of just moseying back up there, and he was a good buck, really good buck. So I once he got on back on top, I just booked it. I got out, I ran, and realized I was wearing too many clothes and I was sweating <laughs> <laughs> profusely. But, uh, you know, I started climbing the other side. Well, some does had popped over. Again, they were skyline, so I saw him immediately. And uh, he just went over the top. And that's the cool thing about this hunting is you, know, you can put land – you know, mass between you and your target, you know, and 
you can just go because they, mm-hmm. they just they can't see you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, if you you can use the topography to your advantage for sure. Yeah, so I booked up the other side, got up there, and you know, and then that's that's always where. Oh man, it's the anticipation is really awesome because, you know, he's he crested this hill and he's up on the other side, and I crested the hill and I'm up on the other side now. Well, now the land is broken and it drops down the other side, and you don't know which finger he's on if he's coming towards you or if he's moving away from you or you know mm-hmm. what elevation he's at is he above you is he below you so yeah i just moved a couple across to a couple finger ridges and in each one i'd stop and just to nate's point you know slowly creep my you know noggin over and look down the other side and wasn't there wasn't there and then in the third one he he was there well he had hooked up with this other little buck that we had seen that i didn't know so i'm looking for one deer and there was two deer there and that little buck, I think, just caught me moving a little bit at about, they're probably 160, 70 yards, and, and uh, gorgeous buck. I mean, he ended up giving me some, some poses, some uh, Mr. Novembers uh, <laughs> from the top of the other ridge, mm-hmm. um, and I zapped him at 240 was as close as I, well, I, the closest I got was probably about 170 or 80, but where he had, you know, give stopped him, enough where you could get a real yeah, good look get, at him. Yeah, good zap on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, it was it was a gorgeous buck. Good big four by four, um, big frame. I would say he was a hundred and seventy class class buck. So, but he's he's around. I mean, he's yeah, a couple ridges over. So <laughs> yeah, we we know where he was when it got dark. Yeah. So unfortunately we got to bag it for this trip over and Mm -hmm. come back later and give it another go but Mm -hmm. hopefully he's still in the same general vicinity yeah and that's the cool part about hunting hunting the rut you know whether it's whitetails or you know mule deer blacktail or elk whatever the case may be is the possibility of of new elk or new deer you know is is every day because Mm -hmm these bulls and these and these big bucks are moving and they're looking um for love yeah looking for love you know <laughs> so they're looking for does and may you never see that that buck again but you know there i may see two other ones that are similar that I'm glad we saw them today heck yeah that was way cool so yeah yeah fun hunt very fun yeah so thanks for listening appreciate it all right, so good to good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, glad to be. It's been a long time. Want to do a quick recap now that we have uh, Johan von Eastburn with us. <laughs> da, yeah, da, guten Tag. The best yeah. beer. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to uh, recap the end of the archery deer season, or at least uh, mule deer season. So. Um, Mm. Last time we we left you, uh, Nate and I were holed up in a uh, 1957 Scotsman camp trailer uh, with minimal heat and uh, plenty of beer though, keep us warm. So, mm-hmm. um, I was comfortable. The yeah. single single twin in that one, that bed. Uh bunks, bunks, bunks. Yeah. Who was on top? Uh, if you don't mind me asking. Well, the bunks were very tight. You know? I mean, they were like yeah. Mm-hmm. You had to slide in, you know. You couldn't sit up. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Proverbial bunks. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> but we, uh, so we, we, we recap. We went over there the first weekend, Nate and I did, and uh, had some good encounters. 
and then I went back. Nate, you stayed here, did a little hunting locally. Yep. And then uh, John, your lovely wife and yes. sister-in-law had tags. Yes. As well. They so, did. Uh, you went ahead and toted your six-month-old child over to the uh, barren wasteland. I did. And you guys had a great time. We did. Yes, we did. Um, that was her first hunt, my daughter's first hunt, uh, first ride-along. I was a dis- disappointed in how many deer she spotted, but whatever. It's fine. You know, it was... She's got I, a lot to learn. She does. You know, there's... <laughs> she was loud. Was, you know, yeah. <laughs> Her scent control was terrible as well. <laughs> you try to train them to like, hey, you need to be looking at all times. and But she could only seem to focus on one thing inside the cab of the pickup. <laughs> two things. Well, two things, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was a great time. We uh, spent Thanksgiving in uh, in a camper. Hashtag welfare Thanksgiving. It was great. If that's welfare Thanksgiving, I'll sign up for that every, every oh, year. Oh, it was great. TV dinners for, uh, you know... Thanksgiving dinner. Hungry man's all around. Yep. Yep. No, it was it was it was a really good time. We had a great time. Um it was not the easiest of hunts, as you guys could probably attest to. Uh you worked hard for the deer you saw and didn't uh you know the you know, you saw, you know, a decent amount of deer every day, but you know, the number of bucks weren't 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 that high, but it was a good hunt. It was a good time. Good time as a family to be out there and, and uh, just uh, getting out and enjoying the great outdoors. So, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. It's fun to see you guys over there and, you know, have uh, the camaraderie. You know, it's one yeah. thing I, you know, I miss a little bit from hunting back in the Midwest was, you know, especially late season, November, you know, when the, when the rifle season kicked in, the gun season. You know, it was always a big thing. It was, you know, everybody got together and it was, you know, you hunted with your, your clan, <laughs> you know, and whether it was two or three people or, or 25 people, you know, it was like a big deal, you know, I mean, you get together and you'd have usually a din- big dinner and party like before season started and, you know, like they made songs about it, you know, second week of deer camp and, you know, the, the turdy point buck and like, you know, like you turn them on, <laughs> you know, it's a big deal. So like to be there with, with other people, you know. Granted, it was archery hunting and it was mm-hmm. mule deer, but it was just, it was kind of cool to have other people around for sure. Yeah. So, so many our hunt, of our hunts are like backcountry. Yeah. It's walk in complete and solitude. Yeah. And I mean, you just, you might have two or three other guys around you, but that's about it. Right. Right. You share it with for those. days on end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But the social aspect. Come back and, it. yeah, just chill mm-hmm. at night. And it's a freaking job. Able. Like, yeah. it's, it's really tough. You know, like, so this was a little more laid back and, you know, the hunting was easier as far as the terrain and, you know, like seeing animals, you know, like you weren't toting around 35 pounds just day to day, you know, and (laughs) you could do a lot of it from the rig and get out in glass. And so it was really cool. Yeah. I think the, uh, it was, it was interesting dynamic, you know, uh, there's obviously, you know, things that my wife can provide our six month old daughter, uh, that I cannot, you know, I tried, but you know, alas, she'd get pretty frustrated after, uh, you know, a few minutes. But, you know, it was cool. <laughs> As would you, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, trying to keep, you know, our daughter entertained for as long as I could while, you know, my wife would be out chasing some some critters. It was a lot of fun. Came close. Man, we came close. Yeah, so, like, just to put it yeah. in perspective, like, so... You guys are driving around in a rig, 
and you yes. know, you're getting out, doing yes. some glassing. Yep. With your six month old. Yeah. And you see a buck you want to make a play at, like you yeah. hand off the baby to a relative inside the cab. Yeah. And your wife, she takes off and, and goes and chases the buck. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she didn't kill anything, but you know. She whatever. didn't. She didn't. Nobody did. No. No, it was. Spoiler alert. It was, yeah, it's tough. You guys will see pictures of the kind of terrain, but there's not a whole lot of cover down there. You know, we were dealing, we were dealing with some. There's no cover. Some, some. There's no cover. Yeah. Sage we're, up to your belly button we're doing, best. We're dealing with some. <laughs> yeah. Some factors of mother nature. There was a fire down there a couple of years ago, and so it burned a vast majority of the plains. You know, a lot of the sagebrush and cover were. It was like a moonscape, and. Yep. It was just greening up and some of that stuff, and those deer will bed down in that, and you there's you can't. You know, you can't get within 100 yards of those deer. So Yeah, it's like, I mean, if if a buck, like, popped a squat on, like, the White House front lawn, you know, like, sure. good luck getting in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe right now you could, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of snipers on the roof, he just had a dozen does yeah. bedded all around him. Yeah. They were on yeah. the lookout. So. Every every buck we saw had a, his own personal security system. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there was some does that were cruising, though. The one thing that I thought was interesting was, um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, to your point, there was a lot of bucks that had does with them. But, like, you know, as many if not more, though, like those bucks, we'd see a few bucks that would cruise. They'd check out a group of does, and, like, they obviously weren't hot so like they just keep moving on mm-hmm. like well it's, you're dead to me <laughs> i'm gonna go f- I'm, I'm moving on so well, those deer that are roaming those are like those singles those bucks that don't bed down that you watch for a couple hours they just keep going and going i mean tough to make a move on those deer it is because i mean they'll cover you know miles from the time you see them to this time where you give up on them <laughs> but well and the good you know the the positive or like you know the thing that that makes it fun is that you know when you see two, three bucks in a day that are moving that fast, you know, in the course of an evening, I mean, it gets dark by 5 o'clock, 4.30. So from 4.30 to 6 the next morning, I mean, just think about how many of those deer, how many deer can move back into that area, you know, that, that you've never seen before yeah. because they're cruising. You know, they're looking they're looking for does. So. Yeah, we, I don't know about you guys, um, but we, uh, it seemed like we were seeing different bucks each day. We were hunting generally the same area, mm-hmm. but the next day you'd see, generally speaking, yeah, you'd see new deer. Yeah, with the exception of a, you know, maybe one big one that you were after or something, but you know, new deer would move into the territory, which was cool. So yeah, update on that. Um, so last time we we spoke the first weekend, Nate and I did see a pretty pretty good buck. It was a really good buck, and. Um, Unfortunately, we had to leave that day, but um, did find that buck four days later when we came back. And uh, he was, you know, I mean, he was probably a mile from from where I had seen him last. And and he had he had hooked up with a couple does. And and uh, you know, I'd 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 spent a, a good majority of the day on him, and and uh, ended up getting close. And um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to say it. I missed. <laughs> I know. It's rare. A rare miss. <laughs> a rare miss by Siegel. Um, but uh, I saw him at 750 yards. And it's crazy how these deer just pick you out. 
like from 700 yards away. Just think about how far like you can't yeah. see these deer. You can, I mean, maybe if they were silhouetted or skyline, you'd see these deer. But um, like generally, from 700 yards, you're not going to pick out a deer. You know, in, in right? Sage. Not with the naked eye. For no, sure. yeah. but these deer, I'm telling you, man, they they were on me, and uh, not to the point where they were. They were boogering out at that distance. They're not. They they still. They're knew, aware of you, but they, they're not, yeah. They're not it's leaving it's the still. County. It's it's yeah. discouraging. You're like, how am I going to cover you know seven you know six hundred and you know seventy yards, <laughs> you know yep. to get and 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 make a play. So anyway, with very um, little to no cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, to make a long story semi short, um, ended up getting on those deer. You know they. The, the cool thing is, is as open as it is over there, um, you know, in a lot of western parts of the country, you know, it's very open, but you can use the terrain to your advantage. So, you know, as soon as they went out of sight, I mean, you, I covered <clears throat> 500 yards, <laughs> you know, pretty quick and um, ended up spending the next few hours, you know, crawling around on my hands and knees and, um, you know, getting on the deer losing them, getting back on them, bending them down. Um, ended up bending them down and, and got to a position where, um, you know, I kind of flanked the deer and, and thought I had a little bit further to go and they, they ended up popping up and uh, kind of in front of me at, I think, at about 85 yards. And I, I dismissed, man. You know, I, I didn't – I arranged the doe and, and I think the buck was a little bit closer than, than – he was or than she was and you know so when i shot i just i shot over his back but he was he's a good buck and ended up getting on him the next day again but there was somebody else that had had stumbled upon him and and kind of unfortunately kind of pushed him mm. according to the guy i ran into the guy too <laughs> <laughs> you know later that day but you know he said that he had tracked him for five miles and couldn't find him again so but yeah it was fun i mean it was it was it was new it was a new experience um i suggest anybody that if you have have a chance to to do a, a western mule deer hunt you know and I, I think you could go you don't have to go to you know montana or far west i mean you can get into good mule deer country um not far out of the midwest you know and nebraska and, yeah, and the nebraska, dakotas. dakotas or yeah yeah so but it was fun it was a lot of fun i learned a lot about kind of freestyle stalking <laughs> you know on on these deer and and uh you know, you get kind of a, a false sense of security sometimes because they are so far away. Yeah, when you, you, see them the first you spot time, them at 1,000 yards. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'll just boogie right over there yeah. and cut the distance yeah. to a couple hundred, no problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like you said, you it doesn't take very long before you realize they're seeing you at 1,000 yards too. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's scary, man. It's scary. Yeah. But I'll tell you what's really cool is, like, to be able to, to watch a deer bed down and, and like, to sneak in like literally on your hands and knees or sometimes on your belly because you just don't have the cover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like to get within, you know, inside 100 yards and, you know, have those deer not know that you're there. It's pretty cool. Like drawing yeah. a – that's a, the thing is, like, you know, the rifle is just so much different, you know, because you just don't have this situation where, you, like, you have to get on your knees, draw a bow, and, like, become – four and a half feet tall all of a sudden. Right. You know, like with a rifle, you can you shoot from... You can stay from, prone. And, you know, yeah, you can yeah. shoot from a foot and a half. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's tough. It's really tough. It's really, really hard. So I learned a lot. It was really good. You know, John was... John's done it before, you know, so he was definitely had a lot of good advice and Todd and and uh, the crew is, was definitely helpful, so... Would you do it again? 
probably not in that unit, I'm guessing. I would but. never go back there again. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I wouldn't even fly over that unit. Uh, it disgusts me. <laughs> it disgusts me. I don't. It's gross. Uh, no, I totally would. Yeah. It was a, you know, and we ran into people and we talked to people. Everybody said it was a pretty, pretty bad year as far as deer numbers and whether that was just time of the year and the migration at the time or winter kill or what, you know, I mean, mule deer, have, you know, they got it rough and, uh, I don't know, but yeah, even we had a pretty rough winter last year. So, I mean, mule deer were feeling the hurt all over the state. Yeah. I mean, I think we, I think we should look at maybe some out of state stuff because in Oregon, as far as I, I'm pretty sure there's, there's three late season archery hunts that you can hunt mule deer in the rut. There's only three hunts for three, like, different, you know, small specified areas in the state. So it's not very many. You know, you compare that to other states and you can, you know, you can hunt mule deer over the counter in the rut, you know, every year. Because mm-hmm. it is fun. It is fun. It's different than, you know, it's different than hunting them in the velvet. So I think we go. I think we look elsewhere. Yeah. It's yeah. a bug. Like anything yeah. else, you know, like whitetail or, or elk. Yeah, because like those those <laughs> those Oregon hunts, you know, they take, you know, you you had six or seven points. You can't wait that long to draw no. that tag again. Yeah. You, you got you especially got when it's so weather dependent and other factors where we got to broaden in a, in a burn like that. You know, we talked about that on a previous podcast. Where like when you when you're stacking up that many points, waiting for a premium hunt, mm-hmm. there's so many factors that can come to play when you finally do draw. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say though. If you guys like the podcast, rate us, review us, five stars, four stars, whatever star you want. It doesn't matter, but it really helps. The more the better. It does. It really helps us because we want to keep this going and you know the the reviews, the iTunes reviews is is where it's at. It really helps us for any podcast for that matter. I mean it it really makes all the difference in the world. Take thirty seconds, absolutely make, make a review, tell us what you think, give us an inside <laughs> joke. Yeah. And maybe we'll call you out on one of the episodes. Or if you see a chink in uh you know, a chink in our armor as far as mule deer hunting goes, please let us know. We we're always willing to learn. Yeah, for sure. I mean Jake Jake and I aren't elitists. You know, Jake uh Nate might be, but Jake and I are always Oh definitely trying to mm. yeah up our game. Totally. So go to the crave dot net, follow us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening.